Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament passage of Isaiah. The Old Testament passage of Isaiah in Isaiah in chapter number 35. Isaiah in chapter number 35. We're dealing the idea now of what is the, um, the millennial kingdom like. Going with the idea, what does the Bible say? Remember that in the Bible, there are more passages dedicated to the millennial kingdom than any other subject in the Bible except for the tabernacle and temple. And with all of these passages dedicated to the millennial kingdom, it says quite a bit about what the millennial kingdom is like. Remember that very little is said about heaven because we just can't understand heaven. It is so far beyond our comprehension that God doesn't even attempt to describe it to us. However, the millennial kingdom is something that we can understand. We can understand that it is going to be a lot better than the sin-cursed world that we have right now. That God is going to restore Garden of Eden conditions. And he takes some time to explain how wonderful and amazing it is. Now, because there are so many passages dedicated to the millennial kingdom, there's a couple ways we can explore this. One of them is just the hit-miss thing where we just jump the passage to passage to passage and kind of randomize and just hope that we try to get a good understanding of it, or we can attempt to organize our efforts, and this is what we're going to try to do tonight, is we're going to take one Millennial Kingdom passage and branch off from this main passage, trying just to understand a little bit about what the Millennial Kingdom is like. And the first passage that we're going to look at and explore for uh, this um, message here is that we're going to look through Isaiah chapter number 35. Isaiah chapter 35, and if you don't mind, let's look together in the Word of God. Isaiah 35, and notice with me starting at verse number 1. Isaiah 35 and verse number 1. The Word of God says this, The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice, and the blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, Fear not, behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open, and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall the waters break out, and the streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and a thirsty land of water 
in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes, and on a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those the wayfaring men through though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up there. On It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, will you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Isaiah? The book of Isaiah chapter number 35. And what a wonderful, wonderful phrase this is. This, the the uh, phrase in Isaiah 35 and verse number 6. Streams in the desert. Streams in the desert. And with the Lord's help, we want to go ahead and hit a message dealing with the millennial kingdom, speaking about the conditions of the millennial kingdom. The conditions of the millennial kingdom. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you how much you explain in the Bible and try to describe to us this wonderful place of the millennial kingdom and how it's going to be improved and how this sin cursed world is going to be fixed and and we're asking that you would just give us an understanding lord i understand my own physical limitations tonight and i'm just asking for your grace that you would help me where i cannot help myself that you would do the message you would fill me with your spirit that you would organize in a way that would be an understanding a comfort and a help to all those that hear once again, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And thank you for the rejoicing that is promised when we think of what a great God you are to put this together. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Isaiah, we could see quite a bit about the millennial kingdom. There is so much. Oftentimes, Isaiah is referred to as the gospel record of Jesus because it speaks so much about Jesus Christ. But the unique thing about the book of Isaiah is that not only does it describe Jesus's first coming, but it also takes some time to describe Jesus's second coming. And we understand with the second coming of Jesus Christ that he is going to establish an earthly kingdom with Jerusalem as its capital. And Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign on this earth for one thousand years and when he rules and reigns on this earth for one thousand years he is fixing this world and he's making it a wonderful habitation for all that's on here uh, all that's on the earth during that time for one thousand years and so if you don't mind let's start with isaiah chapter 35 as pretty much our bouncing off point organizing our efforts and let's explore this and then see what the Bible says about the conditions of the millennial kingdom. Notice with me, if you don't mind, starting in verse 1, we see something wonderful. We see that God shall restore Garden of Eden conditions. That God shall restore Garden of Eden conditions. Notice with me in verse number 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Now, 
in chapter 35 and verse 1, it speaks about the wilderness. Now, I don't know how you were raised, but when I was raised, I had a different definition of wilderness than what the Bible said. My idea of wilderness is that it was trees and forest and all of this. But when the Bible speaks of wilderness, it speaks of desert. It speaks that there's nothing there, that it's an unhabitable type of place. And so it's not a place of trees that need to be knocked down and there's no, no life, um, no human life living there because the trees are all there overgrown and you have to go conquer it. It's speaking about a desert place, just as a gee whiz type thing that when you study your Bible and it speaks about the wilderness, it's speaking about a desert place. So the wilderness, a desert, and the solitary place, once again, desert, because you go out in the desert and there's no life out there or none that you could see and you don't know what's hunting you. It's a solitary place. The wilderness and the solitary place should be glad for them. For what? For this millennial kingdom. It's speaking about all in this context here about Jesus Christ coming back. And he's going to rule and reign on this earth. And the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice. And what's going to happen to the desert? It shall blossom as the rose. If you can imagine having a dry, barren landscape. When my family and I left Arizona for the last time, we stopped at the border of the desert. We said, all right, kids, look. Now, they were small at the time. And we said, this is the last time you're going to see green, uh, brown. This is the last time you're going to see the cactus. For now on, you're going to see green grass. Because once you leave the desert, it's a completely different landscape. You know, out in the desert in Arizona, they don't have grass like we have out there. What they do is... The old people who miss all the grass, they paint their rocks green just so that way they have some sort of green. But everything's brown out there. There is nothing that grows. You add water and it will grow, but out in the desert, it's brown. You just get used to that brown, dusty color. It's, they even paint the, the houses brown and dusty just to match the desert landscape. And so if you could imagine in your mind's eye that the millennial kingdom comes and the desert responds to Jesus being on this earth. And what happens is that instead of the ground, uh, brown patchy uh, dirt, it just green begins to envelop it. It begins to blossom flowers everywhere. You can almost imagine in your mind that movie scene where it's dead and then all of a sudden green life just forms all over it. Well, God promised that when Jesus comes back, he is going to restore Garden of Eden conditions. He's going to take the deserts and he's going to put streams in the deserts. In fact, notice with me in verse number seven with the same idea. And the parched ground shall be a pool and the thirsty land springs of water and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. Again, in your Bible, whenever you see the habitation of dragons, that was an old ancient way of saying that there's nothing that could live there. If you could imagine dragons who are big old lizards, real life dragons, which are dinosaurs, but in our minds, uh, they live there because nothing else can. It's out in the deserts. It's out in um, burnt land. But what's going to happen? That a place that only dragons can live at is going to be habitable for everyone. And the Bible is speaking about this, how nature itself is going to respond to Jesus Christ coming on this earth. And he is going to sit here and reset Garden of Eden conditions. Now, I've said that he's reset Garden of Eden conditions. Let me show you where the Bible itself says that. Uh, hold your finger here. We're going to keep bouncing back to it. But notice with me in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. 
Ezekiel in chapter number 36. In Ezekiel chapter 36 and on, the Bible takes some time to explain about end time things in the last part of Ezekiel. At the very end of it, it's going to be talking about the millennial temple and speaking about all the things that are within that millennial temple, the temple that's going to be built uh, kind of like Solomon's temple, but different within the millennial kingdom. It's going to speak about the battle of Gog and Magog. <laughs> in previous chapters, it's going to talk about the valley of dry bones. But in Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, I want to point something out to you. In Ezekiel 36, and notice with me in verse number 35, if it speaks about the millennial kingdom. Ezekiel 36 and verse 35. And they say, this land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and the desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. So once again, that's pretty plain. It says, this land that was desolate and broken down, messed up, is going to be just like the Garden of Eden. So when we talk about that it's restored to like the Garden of Eden, what happened? What made the mistake? What, what made the change from the Garden of Eden to the sin-cursed world that we have here? Well, let's look back to the Garden of Eden. Look with me in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3. The book of Genesis, chapter 3. Again, we're doing more of a Bible study tonight, seeing what the Bible says in many different passages to try to get us an idea of what the Garden of Eden is like. The very first thing that we're understanding is that God is going to restore the land to Garden of Eden conditions. The Bible says it. It says that the desert's going to be habitable. It's going to be green again. So what happened from the Garden of Eden? What happened to get the sin-cursed world that we have here? Well, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, we have what is recorded the fall of man, where man disobeyed God's single rule. And in Genesis chapter 3, after they were caught, the man blamed the woman, the woman blamed the serpent, and the serpent had no one else to blame. And so God begins to explain what is going to occur because of the sin that has happened. Let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 3. Let's start in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shall thy go, and the dust shall thou eat the days of thy life. And I shall put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said... I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth, um, excuse me, bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hearken unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return to the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto du dust thou shalt return. And so what we see here is that we see... The earth cursed. How was the earth cursed? Well, first of all, there was a curse upon the animals. 
There was a curse upon the animals. That you know that before the, this time here, there was no animal that was harmful or, or, or danger to man. That you had no problems. You see that wolf here, nice wolfy wolfy. You had no problems. Hey, that dinosaur over there. Hey, dinosaur, let me go for a ride. You had no problems with any of the animals. But because of the fall of man, because sin came on this earth, the part of the consequences is now that there was a curse upon the animals. And there's going to be enmity. Now, we understand that the direct thing is talking about Satan and his seed. But because of that, there's also a reaction to all animals, to animals towards men. And there are animals that we are afraid of. For example, even if you go to Africa today and you hear the roar of a lion, you go inside because they are still man killers out there. Most of you are afraid of spiders. You're willing to burn down your whole house to get rid of that stupid spider. Well, you didn't have to worry about spiders killing you. Before the Garden of Eden, you didn't have to worry. You understand that we have a fear of animals and animals have a fear of man. And part of that is the curse that occurred because sin entered in this world. That's not how God designed it. Not only is there a curse upon the animals, but there's a curse upon the ground. Notice this again in verse 17. And unto Adam he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife... And hast eaten of the tree which I commanded thee. Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Verse number 18. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread. And thou shalt return unto the ground. For out of it thou was taken. For dust thou art and in dust thou shalt return. We see that there's a second curse. And that's upon the ground. That thorns and thistles. That even nature itself seems to work against us. And now when we work it's hard work. Now by the way. Let me take a little pause. God said work is good. Notice in verse number 17, he says, And of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground, notice this, for thy sake. God says, guess what? To keep you out of trouble, you have to work. And it's going to be hard work, but I'm doing it for your sake. Work is necessary, and work is for your sake. If you don't work, you're going to get in trouble. So you're going to have to work. And most of us understand that idle hands... It's the devil's playground. That's a phrase that we say that when we're not busy, we get ourselves into trouble. And so God says, I'm going to give you work and it's going to be hard work. And I'm sorry, it's good for you. It's what you need. But now even the ground itself, it's going to be harder to plant crops. Now you're going to have to work to get the job done. You're going to have to work all your days in order to get your supplies and what you need, the food that you have. You're going to have to work and it's going to be hard. And that's part of the curse. Not only that, there's a curse upon Adam and Eve that they had to be removed from the presence of the Lord. And so they had to be removed from the presence of God. They had to be kicked out of Eden and they cannot enjoy the blessings of being in God's presence. Well, you know what's going to happen in the millennial kingdom? God is going to remove those curses. He's going to remove the curse from the animals, which you'll see in just a bit. But you could go have a pet dinosaur again. You could play with poisonous snakes and they're not going to harm you. You could have that wolf and have a child sit next to each other. And a, and a, and a lion and a lamb could sit together and they're going to be fine. Wouldn't that be cool? God's going to remove the curse from the ground. Whereas we're going to work 
It's not going to be hard work and toiling work that makes us sweat and, and use all of our energy. Is that going to be a blessing? We'll look forward to that. And then we, the curse of being removed from God's presence will be removed. We get to live with Jesus. We get to go talk to Jesus. We get to be with Jesus for 1,000 years. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And so God is going to, first of all, he's going to restore this earth to Garden of Eden conditions. If you don't mind, let's go back to Isaiah 35 and let's see if we could pick up some more things about the conditions of the millennial kingdom. We know that first of all, that God is going to restore the garden, restore the earth to Garden of Eden conditions. Second thing that we understand is that it will be a place of rejoicing. It will be a place of rejoicing. Notice with me in verse number two. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. Now, what is it speaking about? It's speaking about the wilderness, the solitary place, the desert. The desert's going to blossom abundantly. And the desert, nature itself, is going to rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the excellency of the Lord. And the excellency of our God. Notice with me in verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return. And come with Zion with songs. And everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. You know what we see here is that it's going to be a place of rejoicing. That God's creation will rejoice and God's citizens will rejoice. That what is the Garden of Eden conditions going to be like? It's going to be a place where <coughs> the millennial kingdom is going to be restored to Garden of Eden conditions. It's going to be a place of rejoicing. That nature itself will rejoice. And we spoke this morning about the stars singing. And someone replied to me afterwards. That's what they're looking for to the millennial kingdom. To hear the stars sing. To hear all of creation praise God. And to lift up how great God is. And that the citizens of the millennial kingdom will rejoice. It's going to be a time and a place of rejoicing. Notice something else we see in Isaiah. <laughs> now. I could go and run you through all kinds of passages. Isaiah 12 speaks about this. Isaiah 14, 7. Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. All of those verses speak about the creation and the rejoicing that occurs in the millennial kingdom. Quite a bit. That was Isaiah 12. Isaiah 14, verse 7. Isaiah 25, verses 8 and 9. All of those speak about the rejoicing that occurs during the millennial kingdom. If you don't mind, we also see something else in this passage in Isaiah 35, speaking about the conditions of the millennial kingdom, that we understand that it's going to be restored to Garden of Eden conditions. It's going to be a place of rejoicing. But notice something else we see. It will be a place of peace. A place of peace. Notice with me in verse number uh, 3. In Isaiah 35, verse 3, Strengthen ye the weak hands, and confirm the feeble knees. Say unto them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense, and he will save you. 
that in this place here, those that are fearful, you don't have to be afraid because God's going to be there. He'll take care of you. He'll watch over you. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 9. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. And it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. In that passage there, it's talking about a highway of righteousness that is going to go from wherever you want to Jerusalem. And you could go ahead and walk on that road, and you're not going to be afraid of some lion pouncing on you and eating you on your way. You don't have to worry about any kind of creature that's going to stop you from your walk. That you don't need guards. You don't need protection. You're going to be able to walk to Jerusalem to go see God whenever you want. To go speak to Jesus. And you don't have to worry about anything that would happen to you on your trip. It is a place of peace. Now the Bible speaks about this in several different passages. Let's turn to a couple. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 2. Now again, there's a lot of passages in Isaiah. I said that at the very beginning, and I'm not kidding. Passage after passage in Isaiah speaks about the things of the millennial kingdom when Jesus Christ establishes his earthly reign on this earth for a thousand years. Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah chapter 2, and notice with me in verse 4. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Won't that be wonderful? Inside of the millennial kingdom, there's no more wars. There's no more fightings. Nations won't fight. You don't need weapons. You're just going to turn your weapons into farming equipment and let's use it practically there notice with me in isaiah chapter 11 isaiah chapter 11 let's see some more speaking about this wonderful conditions of the millennial kingdom that it's going to be a place of peace notice with me in isaiah 11 in verse number six isaiah 11 in verse number six the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion shall and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. Now, here's this picture here. A wolf and the lamb are hanging out together. Normally, in today's economy, when a wolf sees a little lamb by itself, it's thinking lunch. But now they're playing together. The wolf and the shall also dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lay down with a kid that's a baby goat. So here's a leopard and a goat, and they're hanging out, and the leopard's not thinking about lunch. And then the calf... And the young lion and the fatling together. They're all hanging together. And the lion says, hey, how was your day, guys? And you know what's going to be amazing? The little child will lead them. So the little child goes out and says, I want to go play with the lion today. Hey, let's scratch you behind the ears. Hey, Wolfie, and be able to go and play with all these animals. And you don't have to worry about the little kid getting eaten by the lion. But he's going to go out and say, all right, let's go, Mr. Lion. Let's go over to my house. Come on. And he can lead them. Isn't that a wonderful place of peace? Isn't that a wonderful thing in the millennial kingdom? That the kids get to go play and you don't have to worry about them getting in trouble. I'm going to go play with a lion. If one of your kids said that today, you might have an issue with it. <laughs> hey, there's a wolf in the backyard. Do you hear it uh, baying at the moon? Hey, mom, I'm going to go pet him. Probably not. But in the millennial kingdom, the kids will have no problems with it. And they'll be safe. What a wonderful time the millennial kingdom will be. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 32. Again, the Bible says so much, especially in the book of Isaiah. 
Isaiah chapter 32. <laughs> Isaiah 32, notice with me in verse 17. Isaiah 32, 17. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And my people shall dwell in a peaceable habitation and sure dwellings in quiet resting places. Isn't that just a good picture of peace? That you could go ahead and you'll have peace living at home. You don't have to worry about, am I safe here? You don't have to worry about crime or drugs. You don't have to worry about muggings and shootings. You can enjoy the safety in the millennial kingdom. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, once again, speaking about how wonderful peace that we will have there in the millennial kingdom. This is wonderful. Isaiah 54, notice with me in verse 13. Isaiah 54, verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of of thy children. Could you imagine not having to worry about the future of your kids? To know that tomorrow is going to hold peace. And that your kids and your grandkids. Well those who have children in there. They're not going to have to worry about what kind of future is going to be given to the kids. But they are going to be taught of the Lord. And they're going to have righteousness and peace. Wouldn't it be a wonderful that you don't have to worry about what's going to happen? What type of world our kids are going to have to live in? What a wonderful thing in the millennial kingdom. It will be truly a place of peace. As we turn back to Isaiah chapter number uh, 35, we're talking about the conditions in the millennial kingdom. And that we already explained that what's going to happen is that God is going to reset to, millennia, to the millennial kingdom. He's going to set to Garden of Eden conditions. That he's going to make it a place of rejoicing. It's going to be a place of peace. But the Bible also says that it will be a place of healing. A place of healing. Notice with me in verses 5 and 6. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall the waters break out, and streams in the desert. What we see here is this wonderful place where healing is going to happen. It says the eyes of the blind, they're going to be open. There's going to be no blind people in the millennial kingdom. It says that the ears of the deaf shall be stopped. There's going to be no deaf people. May I say no hard of hearing people. There may be selective hearing still, but there's going to be no hard of hearing, no deaf people in the millennial kingdom. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart. A heart is a type of deer. So you can imagine a guy for all of his life. He's been in a wheelchair. In the millennial kingdom, he's going to dance. He's going to jump up in the air. He's going to do ballerina type twirls. Because the body is going to be strong enough to do so. Notice this. The tongue, tongue of the dumb sing. The dumb is someone who can't speak. But their tongue is going to be loosened. And they're going to be able to sing wonderfully. I can't wait to get to the millennial kingdom and let me be able to sing wonderfully. Maybe I'll have a bass voice instead of a tenor in there. 
people. Isn't it going to be wonderful that God, we're going to have voices that will be able to sing during that time? Oh, how wonderful this is. You know, let's see what the Bible has to say about some of these things, about the sickness being removed. The Bible says sicknesses will be removed. Notice with me in Isaiah 33 and verse 24. Isaiah 33 and verse 24. Notice this. And the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. Praise the Lord. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven of their iniquity. Isn't that wonderful to hear? You won't get sick in the millennial kingdom. Even so, Lord, come quickly. We don't have to worry about the sickness. Notice, if you don't mind, the book of Jeremiah chapter 30. We're coming back to Isaiah 35. But Jeremiah 30 and verse 17. Isaiah 30 and verse 17. It says, for I will restore health unto thee. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saith, this is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. Oh, isn't it wonderful that sicknesses will be removed, that God is going to provide healing because Jesus is here on the earth and everything's going to change. But that's sickness. You know that there's going to be healing of the deformed. That's what we were talking about in Isaiah 35. Notice with me in Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29. Isaiah 29, and notice with me in verse 17. Isaiah 29, verse 17. Is it not a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest? And in that day, the deaf shall hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of of darkness and the meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel it's going to be a place where the deformities are going to be healed and they're going to go away what a wonderful place this millennial kingdom is going to be oh it's going to be a place where God resets the Garden of Eden conditions it's going to be a place of rejoicing it's a place of peace it is a place of healing but turn back with me to the book of Isaiah 35 and let's see something else that we see in this passage here speaking about the millennial kingdom and what the millennial kingdom is going to be like it's going to be a place of holiness it's going to be a place of holiness Notice with me in verse number, uh, excuse me, uh, verse number 8. Isaiah 35 and verse 8. And a highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. But the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Here we see it's a place of holiness. Here it's speaking about the road going to Jerusalem. And only those who are right with God are going to be in it. And by the way, those are the people that's going to be there. That's going to be those with redeemed bodies. Those that go into the millennial kingdom that have accepted Jesus as their Savior as they went through the tribulation. There's going to be a place where it's going to be righteousness there and holiness. And people are going to be right. Notice as the Bible explains this a little bit more. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4. Notice with me in verse number 3. Isaiah 4 verse 3. 
And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy. Even everyone that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and have shall purge the blood of Jerusalem from the mist by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. Once again, it's using poetical language to say that people are going to be cleansed. They're going to be right. That during this time of the millennial kingdom, people are going to be right with God. It's going to be a place of holiness. What a wonderful place that will be. If you don't mind, look with me in Isaiah 35. And let's see one more thing about the conditions of the millennial kingdom. Now again, I'm only touching the surface. We're going to spend another message on Wednesday talking about more conditions of the millennial kingdom. Where we go to a different passage and try to pull logically some other things that we don't even cover today but this is just a taste that in the millennial kingdom it's going to be reset to garden of Eden conditions in the millennial kingdom it's going to be a place of rejoicing it's going to be a place of peace it's going to be a place where sickness is removed it's going to be a place of holiness but we also understand that the millennial kingdom is going to be a place where the redeemed and the ransom will be it will be a place of the redeemed and the ransomed. Notice with me in verse number 9. Isaiah 35 and verse 9. It says. No lion shall be there. Nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. And it shall not be found. But the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransom of the Lord shall return. And come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is going to be a place of the redeemed and the ransom. When we speak of words like that of the redeemed and ransom, what do we mean? Well, to be redeemed, to be ransomed, deals with the idea of knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven. You understand, every single one of us are sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible clearly says that every single one of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God. That God has required us to be perfect in order to dwell with Him and to be with Him. As we spoke about the Garden of Eden. That they had one rule. Don't eat of this tree. And they broke the rule. Because they broke the one rule... God had to remove them from the perfect place of Eden. Because they broke that one rule, there was consequences that affected the entire earth. And so now as we talk about the millennial kingdom, as we talk about the ransom, we talked about the redeemed, as we talk about eternity, future, and heaven, God must protect heaven and make sure that nothing that is not perfect goes to that perfect place because it will ruin it. God has to protect it and he has to guard it. The problem is, dear friend, is that none of us are perfect. We're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because you can't set something that's perfect and place it in a perfect place, those people need to go somewhere. And when we die, there's only two places to go. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. You know that God never created the hell to, for a single human to go there. He created hell to punish Satan and his demons. However, man goes there by default because there's nowhere else to go. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. When 
God told Adam and Eve that if you touch of this tree, if you eat of that tree of the garden, you shall surely die. The day that they did, they died spiritually and they were separated from God. And if they continued in that condition, they would be separated from God for all eternity. They had spiritual death. You say that's bad news. But let me tell you the good news is, is that God wants to ransom us. He wants to redeem us, and he did it by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That Jesus, who was God, robed himself in flesh and dwelt on this earth, and he lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, the same heartbreaks. Then he died to pay the price that you and I owed him. And all that is left is for us to accept the free gift that he offered us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we accept that free gift, the Bible says we have been redeemed. We've been bought back. We've been ransomed. He has purchased us with his blood. And it is the redeemed and the ransomed that will be in the millennial kingdom. That's us. If you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you're going to be up in the millennial kingdom. Unfortunately, there are some people who will not make it to the millennial kingdom. Because they've never accepted the, G the gift that Jesus Christ has offered them. You know, the Bible says quite a bit about that in many different passages. <clears throat> but God created it and he made a promise to bring the people to himself and that God will not share his glory. If you don't mind, I'd like to show you one last passage dealing with this in Isaiah chapter 51. And this is kind of a parallel passage to what we just read that we talked about. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall come <clears throat> with rejoicing unto Zion. Notice in Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 11, we see that last verse in Isaiah 35, right here again, stated in a different way. Isaiah 51 and verse 11. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And an everlasting joy shall be upon their head. And they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.